Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to One Chapel. So glad that you're here. Wherever you're joining us from, right here in the Austin region or anywhere around the globe, man, we're just so glad to have you. Thanks for coming and hanging out and being a part of the family. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had a great one. Hope you enjoyed some time with family and friends and enjoyed some turkey and a tryptophan and had a nap and wore your sweatpants. Had a great weekend. Well, that's, that's what I did. Hey, listen, if you're new today, if you're new to One Chapel, I want to ask you to do one thing for me. Would you just drop a one? Uh, you can spell it or you can write it. Just one in the chat. Let us know that you're new. Our hosts there would love to reach out to you and welcome you and say hi. We'd love to help you get connected around here, all right? So hey, let's study the scriptures together. Uh, you know, when I was first starting out in pastoral ministry, I went on a trip to Mexico. The pastor I was serving took some other guys and we all went down to Mexico to go visit a missionary that was working in the mountains of Mexico at the time. Now, you got to understand, this guy was doing some serious work down there, a big organization, and, and, and I want you to picture the guy. Like, he, he wore tank tops and big muscles and tan, leathery skin and a big old gray beard, and they were doing some serious work, seeing a bunch of people saved come to Jesus, uh, planting churches in those mountains. Like, they were doing a lot of work, praying for the sick, seeing them healed. Really amazing things were going on. So we went down to visit, and we're all sitting around. We met him there, and we're all sitting around in a circle. The pastor says, hey, if you want to ask him some questions, now's the time. And so, you know, we're all a little intimidated because this guy's big, and he's strong, and muscly, and doing great things for God. And so we're, we're, he's real gruff. And so we're sitting in the circle, and I'm sitting by my friend David. My friend David goes, I'll ask a question. So, so like, um, you know, tell us, why, why do you think there are so many miracles here and we don't necessarily see that in the States? And this guy looks at my friend David and he says, boy, how many hours a day do you pray? My friend David, he actually led prayer ministry, so he prayed probably a lot more than we did. And so he said, well, you know, I, I, I try to pray about an hour a day or so, sometimes more. He looked at my friend David and he said, boy, how many days a week do you fast? My friend David said, I try to fast, uh, you know, once, once a week or so. He looked at my friend David and he said, that's puke. He literally said, that's puke, and he pointed at him. I'm sitting right beside him, so I was kind of like, uh, yeah, this guy, you know what I'm saying? Like, like what's he doing? That's, that's puke, that's pathetic, that's horrible. It was a very awkward moment for all of us. But honestly, you know, when I think about it, I think a lot of us, we feel that way about prayer. Like we feel like that's, that's how we are in our prayer life. Everybody's much better at it than I am. My, my prayer life, it's puke, it's nothing. I'm terrible at it, I'm a miserable failure, and I think I just want to quit. Well, the good news is that Jesus has something to say about this, and he even teaches us how. Most of you know we just finished our legacy series, and now we're jumping back into our series called What If Jesus Was Serious, where we're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we're figuring out what Jesus have to, has to say here. And what he's teaching us is how to actively participate in the kingdom of God here on the earth. And the section we're in, Jesus teaches us how to pray. And in fact, he gives us a framework, like a scaffolding for our prayers that we can use every time that we pray. Now, he doesn't necessarily mean that we pray this prayer word for word, though we do, and, and I often do, actually. But, but he gives us a scaffolding to, to center our prayers around. So where we left off, we'd worked through the first half of this prayer called the Lord's Prayer. And if you remember back with me, here's what we learned. We learned the first movement of the Lord's Prayer is about worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The second movement of the Lord's prayer is God's kingdom come. And the third movement is 
God's will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. So today what we're gonna do is we're gonna work through the second half of the Lord's Prayer. Go with me to Matthew chapter six, verse five, and here's what it says. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what's done in secret, he'll reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans for they think they're gonna be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So if you jump back up to verse 11, Jesus taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread. So this fourth movement of the Lord's prayer, it's all about provision. Jesus says, when you pray, pray, give us today daily bread. In other words, God, I know that everything that I have is coming from your hands and I'm choosing today, I wanna trust you for everything. Now, most of us though, we don't wanna do this. Like, I'd rather pray for yearly bread. God, give, give me what I need for 2021. Oh, Jesus, help me. I'd rather pray for monthly bread. I, I'd rather at least let me ask for weekly bread. Like, just, just let me know what's coming. Here's the reality. God knows exactly how much you need, and he knows exactly when you need it. That's why he teaches us to pray this way. And Jesus uses a metaphor here that first century hearers, they would understand, right? He's talking to Jewish people and they know their history very well. So they would know when God's people were making their way to the promised land, they'd wake up every morning and they would find manna. They'd find daily bread that God had provided and it was a daily occurrence. So they weren't supposed to store it all up, it just happened daily. In Exodus 16, when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. And this is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did this as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. But then there's this idea, this word of caution that basically says, listen, one day you're going to be in the promised land and you're going to have enough. In fact, you're gonna have more than enough. Be careful when you get there to that place of more than enough that you don't lose your dependence on God. You know, the older I get, the more I'm convinced that this Christian life that we're living, this whole thing, it's really about dependence on God. And the little things in the big things, it's about me looking to him as my source. So Jesus teaches this. Pray for God's daily provision in your life. You know, when I, we moved to Austin in 2010, we came from Colorado Springs. We felt like the Lord told us to go help Ross and Amy plant one chapel. And so we showed up here with no job and nothing to do. And my, my brother Ross, he said, listen, um, I just want you to know, like, this is a hard move. Like, I can't guarantee that it's gonna go well. I can't guarantee that it's gonna work. I can't guarantee that you'll have a role or a position here. What he said, frankly, was this is a bad career move for you. I mean, he, I was working in a mega church. I was a student pastor there and I had influence and speaking engagements and all these things. And Ross said, he was just trying to protect me. He said, it's really a bad career move for you. 
but we felt like God was in it, so we came. And day by day by day, we just had to trust because I, I didn't have a job. I was just working morning to night, working for the church, trying to build and get ready for launch. And, and do you know what happened? God provided daily for what me and my family needed. Like, we'd get right up to the point, right up to the point where I would say, Maria, I think this is it. Uh, we're not gonna be able to pay the bills. I, I gotta go to Starbucks tomorrow. I gotta go get a job. And then that next morning, a check would show up in the mail from a friend that we hadn't talked to in a long time. And that happened repeatedly for a complete year. What happened? We put our trust in God. He said yes, and he provided for our needs. But he didn't provide for the year. He provided one day at a time. So this section of the Lord's Prayer is saying, God, you're my source. I look to you to provide everything, and I am not going to look to an outside source. I'm not going to look to myself. I'm just looking at you. You know, Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding. He'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's the way you can live. Of course, many of you are saying, yeah, okay, that's great, Brent. Sounds good, but I need actual money. I can't live off of that. Well, this prayer is deciding what, or more accurately, who you're gonna trust with your life. Are you gonna trust your job? Are you gonna trust in money and finances? Will you trust that career? Are you gonna trust in your own opinions or your own strength? Or are you gonna decide daily, I'm gonna trust in God as my provider? Jesus said, look, you can serve money or you can serve God, but you can't serve both. So we can work for money or we can work for God. This is our choice. Matthew 4, 4 says, Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, not just on stuff, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we decide every day, God, you are my source and I look to you for everything. So here are my needs, here are my desires, here are the concerns that I have for my family today, here are the concerns for my nation. God, what, you, what I'm asking you, would you please do? We need you. These are my concerns for the world. God, provide today for what we need, just today so we can keep trusting you. So if Jesus was serious, then what we gotta learn is we'll be content with what we need for today and realize Jesus is enough. Go to Matthew 6, 12, the next verse. Jesus continues on with teaching us and he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This fifth movement of the Lord's prayer is all about forgiveness. It's forgiveness. This is taking the time to get your heart right with God. This is getting your heart right with people. This is where we ask, God, do you see anything in me that is not pleasing to you? Anything in me that's not acceptable to you? Show me because God, I wanna repent of it right now. And of course, oftentimes when he does, then we're like, hey, hey, oh, hey, hey, okay, 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 easy, ease up a little bit. I don't know if I'm ready to get rid of that. If you pray the Lord's Prayer every day, if you'll use this framework that Jesus gives, you have to stop. You have to examine. You have to audit your life every single day. You have to say every day, God, where is there unforgiveness inside of me? Like somebody said something to me at work, and I am so sick of that guy, and he, he made me furious. I don't know what I'm gonna do with this guy. Somebody looked at me the wrong way when I was at the grocery store, and ooh, it made me so mad. I didn't like what happened there. You gotta surrender those things to him daily. So that Jesus prayer, it leads you through letting go. 
letting go continually, daily. You're releasing bitterness. You're releasing offenses to him. Somebody hurt me, somebody offended me, somebody wounded me, and I am deciding today I'm not gonna hold that against them. God, I'm gonna release the grudge. It's in your hands. I turn it over to you. In fact, you can even pray for the people who are gonna hurt you later that day because inevitably it just happens. So you can pray, Lord, today as I drive down I-35 and that guy cuts me off, Lord, I just choose today, I'm gonna forgive him. You can, you can guarantee that somebody's gonna say something on Facebook to something that you posted and it's gonna make you mad and it's gonna be divisive because it happens all the time. You can decide, I'm gonna forgive that person. God, help me to forgive them as, as, as you have forgiven me, I forgive them. Somebody's at the grocery store is gonna, gonna cut in line. God, when that stuff happens to me today, it's gonna be tough, but I'm willing to release all of it. I do that today. Now, when we don't do this on the regular, what happens is we open up space for the enemy to come in. We open up what the Bible calls a foothold, a place for the enemy. You see, Ephesians 4.27 says, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a place to latch on. Life throws a lot of stuff at us and it throws stuff at us real fast. If you don't regularly go to God for forgiveness, asking him for forgiveness and releasing other people, you allow a crack for the kingdom of darkness to open up in your life and space for the enemy to come in rather than living full and free in the light of the kingdom of God. So we pray, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna release this. I'm gonna release them. And God, I'm just asking you to forgive me as well. You can see it, it's a struggle. Even the disciples struggled with it. Matthew 18, 21, Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? You can kind of see him working out in his head. I mean, how many times am I supposed to do this, right? Like, like how about seven times? Seven times, that's very generous, Lord. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven but 77 times. Some translations say 70 times seven. You can see Peter trying to work it out. All right, carry the one. Lord, that's 490 times. Like that's a lot of times, God. Jesus, that's a bunch of forgiveness. But I'm telling you, on that 491st time, oh, that guy is mine. Obviously, that's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying, you just live a lifestyle of forgiveness. And that's why Jesus teaches us to pray it every day. Now imagine what happens if you start doing that every day. People start to say, there's something different about that guy. There's something different about that person. They start to notice. Your kid's like, hey mom, what's up with dad? Like he's being so, I don't know, nice. And mom says, well actually, I know. He's been praying. Isn't it wonderful? He's been doing it every day. Listen, I'm telling you, that could happen. This can change your life. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just and he'll forgive us our sins and purify us from unrighteousness. Forgiveness is a decision. Healing is a process. It takes time and all of that is okay. But if Jesus was serious, we'll see that there is evil in us. We'll look inward first and not just see the evil in other people. Keep going to verse 13. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The sixth movement of the Lord's prayer is all about guidance. God, lead me through. Now this, honestly, this isn't a great translation because God doesn't actually tempt us, right? But this is the first time that we're reminded we, you and me, we're actually in a spiritual battle. This whole thing, this whole Christian life, this is not about behavior modification. This is not about us trying to live by positive lifestyle principles. No, we're actually engaged in a spiritual battle. 
So we're praying, God, don't allow me to be led into temptation today. I know that I'll have the opportunity. I'll have the opportunity to sin. I'll be tempted towards something. God, when I'm tempted to lie, when I'm tempted to cheat on that test, when I'm tempted to take a shortcut at my work, when I'm tempted to take a little under the table and put it in my pocket, when I'm tempted today, God, help me to resist, to stay strong. The reality is, in all of our lives, we live in contested space. In our city, we have competing ideologies. We've got uh, competing spirituality. We've got divisive politics. Like we're dealing with a lot of this stuff. It's contested space. C.S. Lewis says it the best. He says, there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. This Austin region, it's claimed by God and and counterclaimed by the enemy. Wherever you're coming from, wherever you're watching from today, it's the same with you. So if you decide to take this prayer, take these ideas seriously, I'm just telling you the intensity of your spiritual life, it'll go up. You will face opposition as you oppose the enemy's claims on that space. And here's the thing, if you're not fighting the enemy every single day, then he's working harder than you are. He's pushing and fighting. So what happens is he takes more ground in your life and in your region. We cannot allow that to happen. You're like, come on, bro, that's a bunch of hocus pocus. That's sci-fi weirdness. Okay, read it with me. Ephesians chapter six. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. So I'm gonna take time daily to pray that God will deliver us from evil. God, deliver my wife. Deliver my marriage. Deliver my children from evil as they go off to school. God, deliver us. Deliver my church from evil. Deliver our nation from the evil schemes of the enemy. God, protect us from harm. God, keep them holy and safe and secure and pure and innocent. Make it so the enemy can't get in here. You guys, we've got to fight. Fight for your family. Fight for your nation. Fight for your life. You do that by praying. But we tend to go one of two ways here. We either over-spiritualize or we under-spiritualize. So if you over-spiritualize it, it means there's a demon behind every tree. Watch out, the devil's really out to get me. So man, devil's out to get me. I got a ticket today on my way to work. He is out, he's out prowling, he's out trying to get me. I got pulled over and that guy gave me a ticket. Well, no, actually, you're just driving 12 miles over the speed limit and you broke the law and you you got pulled over. Like that's actually what happened. We tend to over-spiritualize. Or we under-spiritualize, which means man, everything's falling apart, but, but it's, just, it's just a coincidence that it's happening this way. We gotta come to the middle here and realize we do have an enemy, but greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And we call this spiritual warfare. But really, that sounds like a kind of a scary term for some of you, but really all we're talking about when you pray, prayer is communing with God and is confronting the enemy. Prayer is communing with God who loves you and confronting the enemy who wants to destroy you. And we do that simply by seeking our Father in heaven. And just a little bit of light coming in can dispel all that darkness. So you don't gotta be scared about whether or not there's a demon around every corner. You just need to push. You need to fight back. You need to stand in God's power. And you can do that by just saying this phrase, God, do this today in my life. Every single day as you pray what Jesus prayed, deliver us from the evil one. And here's the good news, everybody. We don't have to fight for victory in this. We actually get to fight from victory. 
We're actually, we're praying from everything that God has already done for us through his son Jesus and his death on the cross. It's already yours. Like we're in the process of, as a church of being reshaped right now. We're, we're, we're going back inside. We're relaunching. We're looking at 2021 and what God's gonna do with us. And I'm just telling you, in order for us to get there, we need you to join this family and pray with us. God, provide for us, guide us, help us to move forward. So if Jesus was serious, and he was, then we'll admit we can't rescue ourselves. We need Jesus to join us in this battle. Look, can I be honest with you? <laughs> Not like I'm lying to you the rest of the sermon, but can I just be honest with you? If we would just take, ter- take Jesus seriously, we'd, we'd pray like he taught us to do. We'd probably need less counseling in our world. We'd have less struggle We'd have less, less issues if, if we would just take him seriously and pray this prayer every day. We would head off a bunch of the horrible stuff that some of us are currently living through. And then, how do we typically end the prayer? Well, most of us pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Where does that come from? I mean, Jesus told us that we should pray, and when we pray, we should pray in his name. But this line, in Jesus' name, it was never meant to be like the line that you tack on at the end of the prayer. It's not like just how you close in a polite way. Actually, it's not really a line that you have to pray at all. Like what this really is, in Jesus' name, this is a heart posture. Larry Hurtado says, to pray in Jesus' name means that we enter into Jesus' status in God's favor and invoke Jesus' standing with God. So to pray in Jesus' name is to come before the king of the universe, the almighty God, as a son or a daughter and point to Jesus and say, I'm with him. That guy is my ticket in here. This is why I can come boldly. It's because of him. I'm with that guy. He's my pass in. So first, in Jesus' name means to pray in line with God's character, with Jesus, what he wants to do in the world. And second and more importantly, it means that we have the same access to God that Jesus does co-heirs with Jesus Christ. So when you pray, take up your rightful place as a son or a daughter of the most high God, the king of all kings. And if you're gonna use that line, then just use it at the beginning of the prayer. God, in Jesus' name, I pray that. And then you can end your prayer however you want. Rock on. Alrighty. See you later. I don't know. That may be a bad idea. But use it in the proper way. Realize that Jesus provides you with the standing before God. So here before we close, I want you to circle back with me, back to the beginning of this passage in Matthew 6, verse 5. We said, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. So Jesus said, don't be like the hypocrites. If you remember from when we did the first half of the Lord's Prayer, hypocrite, it was a word that that referred to an actor in the time. It referred to somebody who wore a mask. It was somebody who had a a facade, something fake. So what's the opposite of this idea? What's the opposite of a hypocrite? What's the opposite of hypocrisy? It's honesty. It's authenticity. It's just being real. So I want to leave you with four words that are grammatically incorrect and some of the best advice I think I've ever heard on how to pray. It's from a pastor named John Tyson. And here it is, are you ready? He said, pray what you got. That's it. Just pray what you got. Like, just be honest with God about all this and pray what you got. Jesus says, what I don't want is for people to be fake with me. 
I don't want you to try to be something that you're not when you come before me. I just want you to be honest. I want you to be you. C.S. Lewis said it like this, we must lay before him what is in us, not what ought to be in us. You just come as you are. Abbot John Chapman says, pray as you can and do not try to pray as you can't. So if you're like, man, I can't pray for 30 minutes at a time. Okay, that's fine. Just pray what you got. Man, I, I, I can only get through like five minutes and then I'm distracted and I'd go look at Instagram. Okay, just pray what you got. Tell you the truth, I don't like praying. It's boring. I, I, I don't get much out of it. Okay, that's good. Tell him that and pray what you got. Man, I feel like I'm just, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to love my spouse. I don't, good, pray what you got. I can't forgive my friend. He betrayed me and it's, it's hurt me so bad. That's good. Keep saying that. Pray what you got. You're like, no way, man. No way this is a biblical idea. Well, I want you to look at a couple examples really quick with me. Look at David. David prayed stuff like, oh, my soul thirsts for you. But David also prayed, God, why do you hide yourself from me and dash their heads against the rocks? Like David's just praying what he got. And even Jesus himself, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, even Jesus. Jesus prayed, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But Jesus also prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So if today you're, you're thinking, I have rotten motives in my life. Tell you the truth, I don't even have a passion or a desire for more of the things of God. I don't even want that. I feel like I can't love my enemies. I don't even know how to do any of this. Okay, pray what you got. Take all that to him and pray what you got. Jesus said, when you pray, go in your room, close the door, and pray what you got. So we've given you this prayer card. You know, we, we've had it on the website, and it'll be in the, in the chat. You can find it. You can find it at onechapel.com slash prayer. And it leads you through the Lord's Prayer. And you're like, oh, thanks for the card, man. I really appreciate that. But I don't even want to. I don't even want to do this. Okay, pray what you got. Take that to him and tell him. Let's just decide, One Chapel, we're going to approach Jesus with honesty. We're going to come before him with who we really are, not try to put on something that we're not. He can handle it. He can handle your doubts. He can handle your fear. He can handle your anxiety and your worry. He's got your depression. He can handle it all. So just pray what you got. Let's just decide, look, we're going to do this, and we're going to do it every day. And as we do, we're going to see more of the kingdom of God come in our lives and here on the earth. And if you can't, if you can't do all that, just pray what you got. Just come before him with whatever it is that's rolling around your heart. If it's 30 seconds, come before him. Be honest. Just be real. Be who you are at this moment and pray what you got. I want to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes right where you are. And I just want you to pray what you got. If you're feeling sad and disappointed, just pray what you got. God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. God, I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to fix my marriage. God I, God, I don't know how to pray. Just pray what you got. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we tell you we don't have the answers or the solutions. We don't, we don't know how to do all of this. And we, What we do know is we want to see more of your kingdom. We want to participate with you in seeing the kingdom of God come to earth. So here we are. We're just going to pray what we got. Would you help us to learn how to pray? Not with the pressure, not with the, the, the religiosity, not with the, all the trouble and the wanting to be a certain way. We just, we just want to come before you like we are. And we thank you that you receive us as we are. 
So we're making a commitment today. We're, we're just, no matter what it means today, wherever we are across these rooms, uh, we're going to pray what we got. And as we do, we ask that you would come and fill those prayers and help us to keep going with you and see more of your kingdom come in the earth. We thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name. It occurs to me that for some of you, you may, you may not be in a place where you even can pray that much because maybe you've never actually said yes to following Jesus. And I'm reminded of the first part of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught us to pray and say, Our Father. And you don't know God in that way. You don't have that relationship. You've never turned your life over and surrendered to the good Father who loves you. Well, that good Father sent His only Son, part of Himself, Jesus, into this world to die for our sins. And that sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross, it paid for everything that you will ever do. But Jesus didn't just stay dead. He came alive again three days later and he beat death and sin and he reigns victorious and he wants to give all of that to you. All of us have sinned. We fall short of God's glory. Jesus said, it's okay. I'll pay the price for you and you never have to. So if you want to know God as your father, you can do that today. You can just pray a simple prayer like this. I'll even help you with the words. Father, I choose to believe in you. I choose to believe in your son Jesus and the cross and his resurrection and I want that applied to my life today. Will you help me to know him? Will you help me to know you? I repent of my sin. I turn away from the life I'm living and I want to live for you the best way I know how. Just tell him that. The best way I know how. I'm giving you my life. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now God, would you give them strength and grace to continue on and surround them with this one chapel family to take all those next steps to get where you want them to go. God, we bless you and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody at home said, amen.